This Can Do podcast is brought to you by Blake Albina Thoroughbred Services. Blake Albina is a full-service bloodstock agency and consignment company representing clients at every major horse sale in the country. For more information, call Ron Blake at 859-396-4836 or Hunsley Albina at 859-621-0800. Whether an experienced owner or a newcomer to the game, Blake Albina has the knowledge and experience to help you achieve your goals in the thoroughbred industry. I got the horse right here, the name is Paul Revere, and here's a guy that says if the web is clear, can do, can do. This is Bill Duncliffe. I want to welcome you back to the Can Do Horse Racing Podcast, where the heroes and history of horse racing come to life. It was a cold January morning up here in New England and down in Florida when Abby Fuller and I reconnected to talk more horse racing. This time, instead of looking back, we were looking forward, talking about the challenges confronting our sport and ways in which we might deal with them. I think more than any other time our sport needs, as Abby and I discussed in a number of areas, new ideas, new thinking, and openness to change, while also preserving the best of our sport. There are those who say our sport will never go away, and there is likely truth in that. The size and scope of the breeding business alone in Kentucky, Florida, New York, Maryland, and California presents significant challenge to anyone wishing to legislate or regulate our sport away. But animal rights activists pose a constant threat. They have been able to nearly eliminate dog racing in this country, including in the state that was once a mainstay of the sport, Florida. Yeah, they pose a threat. But to the point about new thinking, new ideas, and openness to change, if we thoughtfully listen and ponder, might we perhaps find ways to blunt their message and present a more positive message about everything we do in our sport to protect our equine and human athletes? Give Abby a listen. Since we spoke just after the conclusion of the Pegasus World Cup, it seemed an appropriate jumping off point to talk about the changing rules around Lasix. Anti-bleeding medication, performance enhancer, or both? And what, in the end, is best for the horse and best for our sport? You know, the Pegasus, of course, was run without... Uh, you and I were both interested in tax, and, and he just kind of mm-hmm. looked looming at the top of the stretch and then just didn't have it, and I started thinking about it. Yeah. Um, is this you know, the impact of no Lasix? Was he just not ready that, mm. you know, was he against a better horse that day? I I, I don't know. You know, it's, right. it's, it's so hard to tell, right? Right. And, yeah, it's an interesting thing with Lasix. I don't know enough about science, but I'm I'm, I'm sure, you know, we'll certainly touch on it. So I, I did notice, I was like, oh, look at all these horses first time Lasix. It was in a maiden race. And then I realized, Oh, they're three-year-olds. Right, right. So, so they didn't run, you know, and I've kind of been a little bit out of it. Yep. Um, you know, not being at the track every day. And so they didn't run with, with Lasix as two-year-olds. And that was back in, in my day, I believe the 80s. I don't think we had Lasix for two-year-olds. And we didn't run with it in New York. Okay, right, right. Um, yep. So it's... You know, a little bit like going back, and and you know, there's a lot of people who, who I, you know, um, I guess respect and stuff that are very 
adamant about LASIK being a plus, and I am definitely not. A, and, and I mean besides vets that are, you know, I mean they don't make a lot of money on those shots anyway. Right, so yeah. it's not like, and now Gulfstream's changed all that up anyway where it's given by the state. Oh, okay. Um, oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I've it's, heard both. Yeah, it's go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I you've heard both sides, and and so have I. And I, I honestly, you know, as a horse person, um, I get my my main thing, which I think a lot of people would agree with, is I want what's best, truly best for the horse. Right. And right. what might be truly best for the horse in racing, maybe isn't truly best for breeding i don't know that anything's really been proven on that i have heard questions um you know as as, oh has lasix weakened the breed so to speak right right i don't know i mean mom's command never had a champion she also never raced on lasix wow wow you know maybe she was one of the mares that left it like a lot of them do yeah maybe secret only those maybe those real blue-blooded mayors seem to be able to like personal ensign for instance well you know interesting Zenyatta just lost her foal the other day right um i read that um yeah 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 there is that theory out there about race mayors and if they are really you know kind of not hard used on the track but but if they race a lot and they you know put in uh, high energy obviously high um yeah high high energy efforts that does so it does seem to have an effect downstream on on the breeding at times, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's I, an interesting. I think it's good to be curious. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it's it's an interesting question overall yeah. about just the impact of drugs on the breed, you know, and and the breeding, um, you know, downstream, whether it's Lasix or or others as well. More regulation is coming to our sport that we know. And there is the justified concern as to what that means, but also the knee-jerk reaction to any change, which is so commonly our reaction. Are there different approaches we might consider? Can we perhaps get out in front of looming regulatory changes and guide them, as opposed to reactionary negativity? You know, I was just thinking about um, the Pegasus and, you know, drugs and, 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 and more about suspicions about trainers because, you know, the winner, Nick's go, um, you know, absolutely romped, uh, going crazy, insane fractions at Keeneland in the Breeders' Cup mile, and there was some question about whether or not he was going to be able to go the distance in the Pegasus. Um, but the the bigger question, I guess, that's out there that, you know, if I was Brad Cox, I would want to see addressed is this horse has improved dramatically since going to the Brad Cox barn. He was good um, as a two-year-old, and he was a front-runner as a two-year-old, too. Um but, you know, the question is, wow, has he, are Brad Cox's training methods, methods so much better than another's that um, he can get that kind of performance out of a horse? It's, that, that, to me, is the number one question that hangs over the sport is the suspicion that any time a trainer gets to a certain percentage, then they must be doing something that is nefarious, right? Yep, and that is... Um Probably transparency is the biggest, uh, which is um, maybe a, a nemesis or whatever to um, to trainers. But that's that's a thing, you know. My my son uh, George was 
he was a jockey for a little bit and okay. was just too too tall and had to starve himself. But um, definitely, you know, he's a, a grew up uh, partly in New England, so he's a sports fan, mm-hmm. and he's always likened it to, um, you know, think of like uh, football, and you have a team. And you don't, like, we know, hey, so-and-so's on the injured list, and he got this, mm-hmm. and he got a, you know, he had some shoulder uh, pain, so they, they did, he, I believe they tell, you know, he got a cortisone shot, and yeah. he'll be yep. resting up for a week, and then he'll be back, and they'll be watching him, and, you know, <laughs> we're so far from that. <laughs> that oh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I yeah. mean, we're like, you know, obviously both of us remember it's not really so much now, but back in the day of the, you know, clockers and getting out in the dark working horses and different <laughs> saddle towels. And now that, you know, they follow you around and they got walkie talkies. I know they do a golf stream. There's no, it's not really much sneaking around. You not know? not in that front. Yeah. 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 But I think that's a big thing. Yeah. It, well, transparency—that's that's a really good um, point. And, you know, and, and comparing it to what we hear and, and know in the NFL is is a really, really good point as well. And I've had a thought before, and and I've expressed it to different people, and I've had people say that's a great idea. I've had people say that's a terrible idea. I'm just going to throw it out to you and let you sure. comment on it. My feeling is that, candidly, it's going to sound odd, but. Let the trainer do whatever they want, but they have to publish, they have to air everything that they do, and the penalties happen when, post-race, a horse is discovered with something that the trainer did not disclose. Uh, to me, the the reason why I say that is because I also think it would have a, an effect on trainers in terms of the animal rights movement that they might say to themselves, you know what, this one is really kind of outside the bounds, and if that's out there in the public... It's not gonna. It's not gonna look good on me. I, I'll just stop there and throw that out to you. It, it, it's a thought I've had. And I'm curious what, what you think about it. That is an interesting thing that I've not heard before. Um, maybe I would. I would say. I, I guess if I would say maybe we got to put a fence around it at some some point. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, as far as saying, you know, not this and. But what an interesting concept. Um, and I would wonder how that would relate to professional sports. Because, you know, to be honest, like, like I watch, um, you know, I watch the Patriots and mm-hmm. the Red Sox and the, you know. God bless you, Abby. <laughs> but I don't know that much about other professional sports, I guess. I mean, show jumping. But pretty much horse, horse stuff I'm steeped in and not so much um, other sports. And so like like gymnastics even and other, I, I am curious how we compare. And now I, I guess um, we are going to have more regulation. Yeah, yep. And it's going to be um, federal, and a lot of people are upset about that. And I don't, I don't disagree that it's possibly – Unfortunate as the feds need to do their own, you know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, it's Natalie, an unknown. I but, agree. But again, yeah. yeah, we and we kind of, but we unfortunately we kind of invited it. 
I agree. And we being the collective of racing for, I remember my dad, who's, um, you know, been gone since 2012, but from, from the beginning of when I was really interested in racing, say the late seventies and, you know, really understood Mm -hmm. more, um, you know, we've all been talking about the central governing body, which never has happened because everybody's so, you know, New York wants New York strength or their own do their thing and Kentucky wants theirs. And, you know, it just um, has not helped racing present a unified front or get things really done like that safe act should be done already that should have just been done you know with uh you know no slaughter and yes oh yeah Yeah. absolutely you know no baloney of this trainer oh you know like it, it just shouldn't happen like these horses no horses should be treated like that it's yeah. horrific and um you know we like you do the best you can and then when you know better you do better a look back on equibase reveals that as a three-year-old abby's triple tiara winner mom's command raced nine times between march 23rd and august 10th of that year in races ranging from demanding sprints to stamina testing marathons she raced twice at garden state park in april those races just eight days apart Moving up to New York as Belmont Park opened, she ran in the Cumley on May 11th and then ran in the Acorn on May 25th. So much has changed about horse racing, not the least of which is the frequency with which our stars and our everyday performers race, which, of course, makes it harder for the public to get to know and embrace our athletes. Have the horses changed or have we changed? You know, uh, it, it actually brings up uh, a few questions for me, I guess, uh, you know, um, you know, uh, go back to, to Mom's Command in that era. You know, I mean, how many times did you race Mom's Command at Saratoga that summer? Three, uh, I think, anyway, right? Um, uh, but certainly she, in the space that, of the summertime. Actually, it was two. Oh, it was, oh, it was two. two. Okay, the okay. Test, okay. The test and the, um, and the Alabama. Okay, okay. But certainly that summer, she raced, uh, what, I don't know, maybe between, you know, with the triple tiara, Six times in yep. the space of three months. Yeah, I think six, six, uh, six times. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you would never see a championship horse at that level run six times in three months anymore. So, is that the effect downstream effect of the drugs? Is it trainers just paying more attention to the the sheets? Um, you know, what 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 do you think that is? Because the other thing is it 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 when the champions like Moms Come In, don't show up that often. It prevents the public from establishing a bond with the sport by seeing these stars over and over again, right? So to me, that's a problem that we really have to get to. But why is it that they they don't race as often as they used to? And and that is because I, I think there's possibly evidence and cer- certainly a lot of speculation on both sides, being that, oh, you know, horses are definitely more fragile, or, oh, you know, trainers are, you know, they want it. So a theory is that trainers want to run less often so they would have less chance to lose. Right, right. That's and another right, right. Go ahead. Point, yeah. point for this race, and they're working the horse. And, um, 
you know, Ned Allard, who, who trained mom, was, um, I would call him like an old school trainer. He's still training. He does a great job, takes, you know, awesome care of the horses when they need time. They're getting time. Um, he would do, I mean, definitely even way back in the, you know, when I started in the early 80s, I remember a few times there was some muscle stimulation done on a horse or some, um, uh, I, I think I remember acupuncture. Like okay. he was also at the forefront, mm-hmm. which at that time would definitely, it's definitely done now as well, um, you know, kind of adjunct, uh, yeah. helpful human-ish therapies. Um so he wasn't afraid to be trying to help the horse, but it was a different, and it was also like you didn't work the horse over and over. You ran him. You ran the horse. Yes. Like we ran in the test yep. knowing, which you and I have talked about before, knowing it's, you know, we're, hey, we're going from a mile and a half yeah. race, yeah, right, the coaching seven. club oaks, back yep. to the Alabama was going to follow it. Yep. And no, I'm not, you know, it wasn't a workout, but it was a, this race falls in the right time frame. I think it was two weeks out from the Alabama. It's kind of perfect to set her up uh, for that race. Yeah. And uh, it's also, hey, by the way, it was a grade one. A grade one so workout. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Like they weren't afraid. And, and she was good. I mean, yep. nobody, she wasn't getting jabbed, uh, you know, to make it over to the races by any means. Um, you know, uh I know we were fortunate to have her, but I don't know. And again, we, we, you know, mentioned earlier, she never ran on Lasix. Um, Two-year-olds didn't run on Lasix then, but then also she ran in New York and just never had it. And I I asked Ned one time, um, I said, Ned, did you ever, like, did you have to draw her? Did you do anything that, you know, people talk about, oh, my gosh, well, have to go back to that if we can't have LASIK. Mm-hmm. And he said, Ab, we, we really didn't. He said, you know, obviously she didn't have a, a bale of hay or bucket of water in her, you know, an hour before the race. Yep. Um, but, no, there was no uh, big protocol. There was no, you know, secret, you know, the Chinese medicines or anything. And some are herbal that are helpful. Yep. Not actually saying anything's. Um, no, understood. I take some Chinese herbs myself, and I like them very much for my, uh, you know, for colds and stuff. So it's interesting, though. What is that? You know, why why is it? Um, but I do think part of it is the the trainers, you know, thinking more of, you know, in that high high end. Yeah, kind no, of really trying to pick their spots. Yeah, have a five horse field instead of an eight horse field. I've heard that one before too. It's an it's an interesting point, and until you mentioned it, I hadn't thought of it in a little while. But someone I've heard more than one person say that since you know the racing form and others started publicizing trainer percentages, the trainers have become much more careful about where they put their horses. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so it's an interesting, you know, does has a valuable piece of information for the better led to a situation that the better doesn't like that the you know the horses don't mm. don't run as often um but you know you you know you were talking about uh, it was time for a work with <laughs> with uh, mom's career which is just you know she runs second in a grade 1 for a you know at, right. at, at workout time um but that that reminds me of like an old like like Woody Stevens I think was a big proponent of yeah. racing them into shape but I also think that cuz I remember I forget which horse it was but um 
I was looking at the lifetime past performances of a of a champion horse, and this goes some time back. I forget which one it was, but uh, started off the winter at a race at Hialeah. So that's how long ago it was. Um, in an allowance race, and this horse was already a grade one winner, and I said to somebody, what allowance race was so-and-so racing in? And it was like an allowance for but non-winners in four months or something like that. And right. those conditions just don't get written anymore. Right. And they might have, uh, you know, on, in all honesty, they might have been written. The trainer said, hey, I got to run this right. horse. Right. And they weren't looking to run in a grade one to come back. They're yep. looking for, you know, and they do do some interesting stuff. Um, again, I, I mostly know, you know, Gulfstream condition book from being there for the last, you know, 20 20 years down in South Florida and and then working there. But they would do these kind of interesting things to fill a field where you've got a a one other than horse um, with a more seasoned horse who maybe is for a claiming price. Right, right. Um, and And they're, you know, trying to see how they match up. So there's been at least some some innovation there. I don't know that, um, you know, it's not always like class wins or the campaigner wins. I've seen some interesting matchups, um, which is, you know, I think that's kind of fun for betters yep. to, to, yeah. to try to figure out. The claiming game has been the daily bread and butter of racing for many years. While it is a wholly reasonable practice, and presents a potentially profitable handicapping opportunity for those able to read the tea leaves of moves both up and down in the claiming ranks, there is little doubt that it has also been subject to callous abuse at times. Fortunately, with voided and waiver claiming rules coming into vogue, we seem to be embracing the fact that that's the way we've always done it doesn't mean it's the way it should stay. I did want to mention, too, because I just reminded myself... Again, my, my son, George, had some interesting thoughts, and, and I've had them, and certainly so have other people, on claiming. You know, is, is it really, again, he kind of compares to professional sports and, you know, the, the Patriots, and you have your team, and you want to do the best for each member of your team, and if one of your teams is hurt, you don't, you don't just inject him and make him go out and play. You you rehabilitate him to, so he can be to the best of his ability. And if there's some way, you know, Europe, they, they claim after the race. So you see how the horse ran. It takes that tricky ah, bit of... Oh, that's interesting. And, okay. And, okay. Yeah. My, now, my dad claimed some really good mares that he was so happy to have that, you know, dropped it down... Um, because maybe they weren't racing as well, and maybe some he ran back, but some he didn't. Mm-hmm. He was glad to have the, the bloodline and pedigree. Um, and certainly, but that could still happen after a mm. race. Yeah. That, that tricky thing, and you know, I'm, I'm from New England, there was a lot of, a lot of claiming was there. You know, we didn't sure. have stakes every day. They yeah. were kind of few and far between. A lot of good horsemen, I, in my opinion, that, you know, really knew how to work with the horse and, you know, jog them and run them. And, like, they didn't train them and work them so much if they, you know, if the horse had a little bit of problems and needed to take it a little easy, but he had the class and the desire to still compete, they worked with that. Um, and, 
but but claiming just in and of itself might be a little I don't know it's time might have gone past where it's not adding to the game well they have uh, I know in New York uh, and I believe they have it in California I don't know about Florida but now they have the voided claim you know rule after the right. race that if something is discovered you know the claim can be voided um which begs the question, why wasn't right. it discovered before the race, I guess, right? Um, yeah. That's definitely a good thing, and I think they might have that now in Florida. I remember, um, I think I asked Billy Badgett, and he said, oh, yeah, either they have it already or they were okay. putting it into place. So um, that's definitely, um, you know, a good thing. And there was always something, you know, uh, if something catastrophic happened, I think that's been in place for a long time. But I'm... I'm more thinking of an encouragement in a way of, of, you know, giving a horse time rather than dropping him and people trying to mm. guess. Um, I know there is a thing, too, which is another. So that's, this is a step towards that where if a horse has been off, I believe it's six months or more, Yeah, they can start um, and, and you can have them not be claimed right a waiver waiver so claim. they could yeah. get yeah right yeah so they could get in a little bit you know maybe softer spot a little bit you see where they're where they're really at without risking them and because that's always a it's a hard thing you put in the time uh you, you right you know right. put in obviously the money to give them the time off so yep. so i like anything that's um you know kind of protect of the horse but also i understand you know the investment i mean obviously my dad owned horses and i have two here in my <laughs> house in ocala that are you know 21 and 22 one my dad bred pizza mass bred you okay like that. oh great <laughs> and he, yeah and yeah. he was a good you know he won some some stakes and we actually had sold him and then he uh he won some more race some more and was um you know, a, a uh, then sold for a riding horse, okay. um, and had a good home for a few years, but then needed uh, needed some help. So, hmm. so we we got him back, and and I have another one that my dad and I bred, um, and he never he raced twice, never won, but he's here too, <laughs> <laughs> and and that's part of too our our you know protection for the horses. Obviously, not everybody has the opportunity to to have a home for a horse that they either right. knew or bred or, you know, but yep. we do need to make sure that every horse has, every horse we breed has the right to that. So however that, you know, continuing with the maybe upping the, the sales uh, contributions and, and the, then yeah, from the breeders aftercare. on yeah. every yeah. start, uh, you know, every start and trainers, I know trainers and jockeys, I believe they already contribute, but that just has to be, you know, um, I'm obviously a big proponent of jockey welfare and rights. And yep. then, and then the horses, you know, they are the, the ones that are really putting it on the line. Uh, those two pieces, as well as the, you know, certainly the owners, they are the ones putting the bill, the betters. It's it's a really interesting, I guess, business and, and the whole part of it because there are so many pieces, which is always part of what keeps me 
fascinated. You, you know, you figure out one piece, and and there's there's another. Yeah, part, yeah, like the know. butterfly wing effects, right? You do something over here, and then that impacts something over here. But um, no, you, you know, your point is good, and you live in Florida, where we know that the animal rights movement has basically ended greyhound racing. Um, and I think the sport right. has to be. Um, I think r- smoothing out the rough edges of the claiming game is a positive. I think that more contributions to aftercare um, are important uh, because sport has to recognize that that is a that is a big threat. Now it's a it's a big business, right? In Kentucky, you know, Florida, California, breeding, but um, it, the animal rights movement is a threat. And I and I think that if we're honest with ourselves, we have to admit that there are practices that you know, like you talked about. Um, need to be eliminated um just just you know yep. uh, we can't uh you know you know abuse these horses beyond uh not not beyond but we can't abuse these horses period let's just put it that way um, period right exactly exactly and and you know because things have been done a certain way or you know doesn't mean that it can or should continue we were just getting warmed up here As a former jockey, you can imagine Abby had some opinions about the rule changes affecting jockeys and the use of the crop. Perhaps not the opinions you might have expected, though. We'll visit that and talk about the types of behaviors any of us need to practice when we are trying to better ourselves next week on the Can Do Horse Racing Podcast. Thanks for joining me. We look forward to you rejoining us next week for another edition of our podcast. In the meantime, God bless you and all your loved ones. May good health, happiness, and gratitude for both be yours today and always.